Is white labeling the dumbest thing you could do as an MSP? We'll discuss on today's MSP Zone. You're entering the MSP Zone, a podcast for the managed services community, covering news, analysis, and interviews from around the globe. Elevate your MSP game by staying in the MSP Zone. And now, your host, Charles Weaver. There's a lot of dumb things we do as people and as organizations. Um, is white labeling amongst them? I don't know, but we're going to be talking about that today uh, because white labeling, which has a very long history in the in the MSP and IT channel, uh, today it's converging and maybe even crossing lines with other uh, concepts such as transparency risk and vendor management, uh, supply chain protection and, and security. Those are things that are really important to MSPs and their customers today. And uh, we're going to address it through the lens of white labeling and how that may or may not impact uh, all of those risk security elements. And today to um, help us break down, make uh, the complex easy to understand uh, is our old friend, Rob Scott. Rob, welcome back to the MSP Zone. Thank you. And uh, definitely one of those people who make a lot of uh, bad decisions in, in life and in business. So I thought that was a great intro. And and, and welcome back. You, you, you came back from parts unknown, but hopefully tropical, sunny, and um, and fun. So it's, it, I hope you had a good vacation. Thank you very much. It was uh, much needed and uh, weather cooperated. And I have a... Um, a base for my soon to be golfer's tan. <laughs> Excellent to hear. So to, to, to warm up your, your brain, um, we know that white labeling has been a practice long established, long practiced, uh, in the, in the MSP IT channel. Uh, for those of you who don't know about what it is, white labeling is you take a product from a vendor and you create a new product, uh, with a new brand, probably your own, maybe your own company's brand, and you sell that to your customers and you mask, you, you, you hide to some degree. Some of it is, is you know, minimization, not uh, complete eradication of the underlying brand, but sometimes it is. Um, you know, call centers being a great, great example, outsourced knock um, uh, being a good example. Um, and, and, and so, Rob, just as a general concept – are we, should we, let me just right out, ask it. Is it risky to be white labeling today, given everything we know about the man of services profession? I think it's risky because, you know, what white labeling does is it presents the product as being from the reseller as opposed to the developer or vendor that uh, owns the IP. And when you start delivering services to end-user customers through a managed services model, the question always arises, if something goes wrong, where does the responsibility lie between the MSP and the vendor? And I think it's safe to think and to say that white labeling moves the needle toward the MSP in ways that um, 
uh, reselling do not. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to play devil's advocate. I'm going to play the part of the MSP. But Rob, I don't want my customers, my customers don't care. And I don't want my customers to know about all the different vendors because maybe I don't trust those vendors to be honorable and, you know, practice good channel politics and not try to steal that customer away from me. I have to protect myself and my customers. So white labeling is an essential part of that. What say you? Well, I, I, you're going to have to explain to me in greater detail what aspects of the um, solution uh, depend on um, whose logo goes on it. But, but more importantly, you know, if you want to be able to disclaim responsibility for things that go wrong with that application or solution, you're going to have to do have your customer accept that risk in a way that's sufficient that they can understand it and that a court would enforce it against them in this situation, which means you've got to say in your contract, that if a third-party solution fails, we're not responsible for that. And you have to be able to go beyond that and identify, particularly if customers ask and more sophisticated customers are asking more, what third-party solutions are being used. Because the customer's perspective is the MSP is responsible for everything, whether they uh, develop the services, deliver the services, or engage the third party to, to provide service in the customer's mind, the MSP should be responsible for everything. So it's by, it's by the, the external um, masking of the third party solution and, and actually trying to fuse it as a, and present it as the MSP solution. Now that's separate from what the contract says, right? But just by them doing it outside of the contract could bring, put them into, into hot water with the insurance company that says, well, you know, forget the, the contract. You, you are actually out there masking this. It, 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 does that have merit or is that not an issue? I'm not so sure about, I'm not so sure about the insurance company comp component, but it's going to be a lot harder for an MSP, for example, to say that a failure of the system that's bearing its product name sold under its paper is the responsibility of some undisclosed third party, right? That is going to, by the way, say the customer has no rights under their agreement. It's just a hard argument to make because the end result is the, the end user that's the victim is holding the bag. And I can envision a scenario where a court would allow that to happen. But in that context of that white label, right? White label reseller, I'm the lawyer in that case. I want very clear cut, you know, language that's, you know, prominent and easy to understand and unambiguously fits the situation to be able to go to court and say, this was a negotiated item. This was a risk that the customer took. They can't have made a contract and benefited from all the other provisions. And just because there's been an incident, argue that this is somehow unfair or our fault. So I, I want to be very clear. So 
Is there a distinction? And for those of you who are wondering, why, why is white labeling as a practice, you know, why is it here? And Rob, I know, I'm almost positive you were there in San Jose for MSP World in maybe 2007, 2008, when we had that room, uh, you know, hundreds and hundreds of MSPs there. And, you know, the, the discussion just uh, erupted into bad channel politics and bad channel behavior and vendors, you know, what it was the, the complaint of the day, vendors were misbehaving and, and practicing channel competition with their, with their partners. That's a lot of, you know, reason why I think why I hear MSPs do white labeling is, is to prevent that risk of the vendor reaching the, the customer. Is there a way that they can, they can have that protection, but, but still, make it clear to the customer that, look, it isn't, it isn't me, that I am partnering with something else, someone else. I think the channel issues come into play. I also think that if you're, if you're thinking of yourself as a solution provider and you're a tools buyer to enable that solution, you know, a white label makes sense because you know, your brand is going to evolve. It, it may include multiple third-party versions. It could include some stuff that you home grow, some stuff that you have developed by third parties. And over time, you know, a lot of my clients have all these flavors of IP in their portfolio. Um, and But at the same time, um, when it comes to the difference between white labeling or reselling, look, I mean, Use the use the RMM market, right? There's not many MSPs that have a white labeled, you know, monitoring um, software. They they True. they use it. It's it's a service enablement tool, right? So I think you have to think about, you know, you know, how does the white labeling fit from a branding and marketing perspective, and is it necessary? And and frequently, if it's a service enablement tool. It really isn't necessary for you to own it. The market is mature enough. Managed service has been around long enough that you know the the market has a has a, a vague understanding of the fact that MSPs are are uh, outsourced IT people, and part of what IT people do is vendor management, vendor selection, um, and so forth. So, um, I get concerned when that translates into. And the MSP should hold the bag for all the responsibility, both on the side of the vendor, because the vendor is limiting their liability. And then the customer, I, I get afraid, whether it's white labeling or reselling, that the, that, the, that the MSP is placed in a position of risk where, like Mr. Miyagi said, if you're in the middle, you get squished like a grape. And I just feel like, you know, the, the vendor and the customer because the lack of alignment between the risk balancing terms in each side of the deal puts the MSP in a position where they're taking on more risk than the deal is worth. I was just talking to a client previous call about, you know, backup and disaster recovery solutions. And, you know, the revenue uh, opportunity for the solution is relatively small and the risk is astronomical. You know, it seems to me, that an MSP would would be crazy to take a solution from a vendor where their limitation of liability is based on the fees paid 
and then deploy that for a customer where their claim scenarios are the value of all their data. Yeah, it's it's huge exposure. Right. It's crazy. So so you you look at this from a risk legal perspective, which is whatever your practice is. And, and look, we're not saying don't use third parties, right? No, Rob and I are not saying that. No. What we're, what we're talking about is the distinction of how obvious or not obvious you make it that you are using third parties and how you're using them when it comes to delivering your managed services. And look, I, Rob, I, I get the fact that the, that the MSPs have, you know, they sleep with one eye open with a lot of vendors. You and I know that, right? It's just talk to an MSP. They, they, they are very wary of, of vendors encroaching into their into their space and their customers. So if, I mean, and a lot of MSPs put their vendor, you know, logos and names up on their website, right? As known partners. So um, is that a practice that you think would be more sound and just say, look, we, we use a variety of different products. We're not going to tell you which one we use for which services, but the customer knows we're, we're, we're back-ending, white-labeling some stuff. But um, it, it's not really white-labeling, I, I suppose, at that point. Or is it? Well, the, 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 see, the thing is, a white-label is, is really more of a trademark and advertising concept than, a, than a, uh, an issue that would be dispositive of risk-balancing. So I don't want to equate the two. Uh, the point is, is that it, you can't have it both ways. I don't think in court you can't have it where to the outside world it's you, and you're offering it, and you're getting paid for it. Uh, the reality is, you know, it's all built on undisclosed third-party solutions or, you know, a combination of hybrids, uh, and 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 hope that you're going to be able to disclaim responsibility because it wasn't your fault. And so I, I just think the best practice is that, you know, you fully disclose um, that third-party solutions are being used and you make the customer acknowledge that they get whatever rights they would have had if they had a deal direct from that vendor. And it's the vendor's terms and conditions. It's the vendor's, uh, um, limitations of liability that will control in the event of an incident caused by that solution. And then the way you soften it to the customers, you say, except to the extent caused by me, comma, I will not be responsible for, you know, failures of third-party solutions that cause damages. So, so it's really the, it's really the risk shift that you have been a huge proponent of over all these many, many, many months and discussions. It's the risk of the MSP and the and the vendor related to the customer. And does white labeling enhance that risk to the MSP? If it does, stop it or change it, modify it. What, what you yeah. don't want is more risk than is reasonably allowable or prudent to rest on the shoulders of that MSP. And if, and if white labeling does it, they, they, they should, you know, seek another method. Yeah. I mean, in the end, you know, again, the white labeling makes it harder to, in a court case, to point the finger at the third party. If all along you've been presenting it as you. 
So, so, get, so Rob, if I'm, if, if I, if got, I've got Charlie's backup service, but I use right. vendor Y, right? Yeah. I don't, I don't have my own, but I'm presenting it as Charlie's backup service. Is anyone really going to think that it's me that built that software? Or should I say it's Charlie's backup service powered by so-and-so and the powered, and powered by-, by is fine. Okay. And powered by is fine. As long as, and along with the powered by, it's clear that when we say powered by, we mean uh, we have, you know, the service is being provided by a third party. And if there's a failure of that solution, it's not our responsibility. And that's why it's just a harder shift to make as a white label to say, you know, this is my product. This is my solution. This is my offering. But, oh, by the way, if anything goes wrong, you've got to go after this undisclosed third party. So are you a proponent for, for your customers, the, the MSPs, when they have a group of vendors, third-party solutions they're bringing to market, that at some point, whether on the website, and I've got, I've got my own issues as to whether or not vendor, you know, vendors ought to be named on websites to, in today's age, um, but do you believe that that should be disclosed in a contract, in some sort of addendum to the, the service agreement? W- what are your thoughts? I on do. That? I do. I, I think that best practices would suggest that if I'm reselling a backup and disaster recovery solution, uh, whether it's under my own brand or a vendor brand or a hybrid powered by arrangement. And I would just say that the vast majority of the backup services that I deal with for clients is, you know, the, the brand, the, 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 the service is branded by the MSP. The software is not even mentioned. There's no, the license is between the, the, the vendor and the MSP. It's subject to an end user license agreement or not, but, uh, What's what's what I'm papering is the service, a backup service, and but that's uh, why emotion. Rob, you you, but that's why you said and have said and repeated that the customer, why wouldn't they just think that it was all the MSP in that scenario? Of course, and that's, so that's and that's your you issue, gotta, and that's why you have to write it to say <laughs> a number of things on when it comes to backup and disaster recovery, but as related to this particular concept is that you have to disclaim in your backup and disaster recovery attachment that, that uh, you're not responsible for software failures. You're not responsible for hardware failures. You're not responsible for uh, the impact of criminal acts of third parties, malicious code. I mean, you have to take the responsibility for managing the the infrastructure, you know, setting up the service, monitoring the service, you know, you know, those activities are appropriate. Where where you get into trouble on backup and disaster recovery is that you're being offered it's being offered to you by a third party. That third party is taking on very limited responsibility, and and in fact, probably it contains an exclusion for lost data altogether. And then you come along and offer this little add-on service 
where the revenue you're getting for this service is wildly disproportionate to your customer's risk if it doesn't go well. So the, the moral of the story, if there's at least one, and I think there's multiple here, is if you are actively white labeling, practicing white labeling right now, you are, and I, and I mean you are not, and, and let me ask you, Rob, would you consider if, if they're saying, hey, it's, it's Charlie's backup service, but it's powered by this vendor, that's it's not really a white label, is it? I mean, it's a hybrid. It's a hybrid. I, I think it is. I think that's a type of white label. I think the powered by is a type of white labeling. It's a co-branded um, deal where it's not a, a complete white label in the sense of non-disclosure of the underlying technology, but it is, it's a hybrid. It's, it's where both, where the brand, the product being offered is co-branded between the MSP and the vendor. So if I were to take, let's say Google, right? I, I see Google and I, I know Microsoft does it as well. I'm we're constantly getting you know email updates from from both of those systems saying, hey, we have just added a new vendor. There are, and I know it, you know you and I know it's it's GDPR you know language from Europe, so it's saying we've added a new sub processor to our family. Um, so are are we getting to the point where the MSPs should be documenting in some location? These are all my third-party subprocessing vendors, and they're used in the delivery of all of our suites of managed services. Would that be effective should be part, cover? Should, should be part of an exhibit. Could be to a DPA, right, where you've got your data processing terms. And as an exhibit to your data processing terms, you're making a disclosure of who all the subprocessors are. I think that's appropriate. And then think about me in court on that case, where now I've got a document that says, hey, look, judge, we told them we're not responsible for the failures of third parties, not only in this section, but in 12 other sections of the agreement, which are highlighted for you. But we also made it clear to them who the vendors were and gave them a list that they you know, acknowledged that they read. So much stronger, much stronger than I presented it as my solution until i got the deal and then when something got went wrong i may you know i for the first time say oh that's not my fault because that's not really my solution but but i just want to clarify in in that scenario you just portrayed it's it's not just that they represented it leading up to the agreement it's also that in the agreement itself it was absent any mentioned that there was a specific or an abstract use of third-party vendors. I mean, that's really is, is a continuation of the hiding of those third-party processors, sub-processors, whoever they may be. And that's why the law evolved the way it did to require these disclosures. So to revisit the opening question, is, is white labeling the dumbest thing that MSPs can do today? I, I don't know if it is the dumbest thing, but it seems like if you're doing any type of white labeling and, and Rob kind of called it both traditional white labeling or hybrid white labeling, I think that, I think that you had to call, call your legal professional and have them review your agreement and your documentation and your disclosure practices. Because I, 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 I Rob, I agree with you. I, I think that that's really risky and I, I, and the channel protection argument, although it's compelling, I think it doesn't outweigh the risk to the MSP 
given everything that we we see, and I know you see it firsthand uh, with those vendors trying to really limit their liability exposure. Yeah, and particularly in those areas like backup and disaster recovery or anything related to privacy and security, you know, where this where the revenue, even you know, a three times multiple of the revenue, doesn't come close to looking at what the probable claim scenario could be if there was something catastrophic to go wrong. Those would be the areas where the the channel concern I think could be addressed by other strategies, uh, and to take on that disproportionate risk is um, really not wise. So there you have it, folks. Um, white labeling. If you're doing it, you may want to check with Rob and just have a quick conversation with him. And I mean, is this is this coming up with your existing customers? I mean, it sounds like I got the impression you're you're kind of tangentially having these same conversations right now. Yeah, and, and I would say that you know, from my perspective, my review of the risk balancing aspects of the alignment between the vendor contract and the customer contract and, you know, protecting the MSP, I'm going to take that same strategy, whether it's reselling, partnering, uh, white labeling, co-branding, right? Really whatever the, whatever the, the sales strategy or model is going to be, I'm going to be looking at it from the perspective of, you know, what's the risk to the MSP and how, what is the alignment between what what we're agreeing to with the vendor and what's in the customer contracts. Well, folks, there you have it. Go uh, go talk to your legal professional. Check out Rob and his firm, Scott and Scott, uh, Scott and Scott LLP dot com. Uh, that's right, is it? Did I get that right? That's correct. Thank yeah. you, Charlie. Yeah, uh, go check them out and have that conversation because I, I think I think you do want to be protecting yourself from both angles, both the channel. Um, the channel competition angle and the risk. Like I look at it both ways, like inflation. Uh, it's it's silent, but it doesn't mean that it's not there. And the channel competition is more visible and visceral to the MSP. But don't think that the contract that you're signing with your vendors, as Rob has said many times on this program, um, don't think that that isn't silently shifting the risk, a lot of risk potentially, onto the customer, uh, uh, meaning the MSP. So make sure that you have your agreements reviewed and adjusted if, if needed, uh, and don't, don't let this white labeling thing catch you off, off guard, especially if it comes time to litigate something or, or settle a dispute. Um, hope this was helpful for you guys. Uh, if you want to be on a future program with uh, Rob and I, if you have questions, uh, Rob, we, you and I have been threatening to do a live uh, live broadcast one of these days um, and maybe take some guest callers. What, what, what do you think about that idea? Well, I think that's fantastic. Um, I think that um, uh, there's a, some exciting new uh, things that we're going to roll out here in the next couple of weeks, and um, I'll leave the, the timing of those announcements to you. But uh, just having that behind-the-scenes view, we've got some really exciting um, new opportunities for MSPs to engage with Charlie and I to, to have conversations along the lines of what we've been talking about on this podcast. And so uh, stay tuned to MSP News for, for future reports about what, what's coming up. Absolutely. Uh, this is Charles Weaver for the MSP Zone. We'll see you next time. 
Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please give us a like. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast so you will get notified when future episodes are released. We will see you next time in the MSP Zone.